Welcome to another edition of Backstage Chicago. I'm your host, Lisa Fielding from WBBM News Radio. We're inside the beautiful Spiegel Tent Zazoo on the 14th floor of the Cambria Hotel. And we are here with the cast members of Teastro Zanzani. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, people who know me, my friends and family, and the people who follow me on social know I'm a little obsessed with your show. <laughs> Just a little. I've seen That's it a few great. times in the last two years. Let's see. I think I'm on eight. Wow. However, there's plenty of people who beat me. There's a couple of my friends who have been here 10, 12 times. Wow. So I'm not the only crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a testament of how wonderful this show is. Thank you. And so we wanted to make it a part of our podcast. And I welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for being crazy. <laughs> crazy is good, right? Yeah, crazy is So sexy. I welcome Tim Tyler. Andrea Weber and Frank Ferrante, and you are key cast members of Teatro Zanzani. Let's go back to the beginning, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, we talked off mic about how we describe this show. It's hard to put into words what this really is. So who wants to go first and kind of describe the show who, who, for people who have not seen this show yet? <laughs> who wants to go first? Well, it's sort of like a cabaret, okay. variety, uh, audience participation, wonderful unusual, non-describable show in a beautiful, beautiful Spiegel tent, which is a mirror tent from Europe, which used to be dance halls. You know, I was here about three years ago, maybe, with your producer, Stan Feig, Mm -hmm. and he took me through this place when it was just first being built, and we saw the renditions, and I thought, wow, this is going to be amazing, but how? And I saw the, they had like a fast motion kind of presentation of how it all got built. Um, what was your, I guess, initial reaction when you walked into this tent? Drea? When uh, Frank and I came when this room was just the raw space, they had discovered this miracle from the 14th to the 17th floor of the Cambry Hotel was a theater. And I've heard that it was the rehearsal space for the Oriental, which is now the Niederlander next door. I heard a Mason's Theater, you know, all of this sort of thing. And you can see in the perimeter of the brick building the the remnants of the concrete for the balcony. There was a little chunk of the decorative proscenium motif when we first came in here. And we just got chills that this space that for 100 years has housed performers and creative theater and the development of theater would be the home for this beautiful Spiegel tent. So um, I, I, it gives me chills to think about it because we, I have this great love that theater exists, of theaters that have existed and the history of it and the air that we get to be a part of and mm-hmm. the, 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 the ongoing miracle of live entertainment. When we first got the press release a couple of years, three years ago, it, it was ex- described as a Kit Kat club on acid. And I don't know if you've learned uh, what uh, the Kit Kat uh. club is. In Chicago, it's a dragon dining in the north side. And I thought, what, what could that be? But it turns out to be so much more than that. And yeah. we, I had not heard of Teatro Zanzani. I knew it was kind of a West Coast thing. But we were very excited to have you guys come here, of course. And both, all of you have been with this company for a long, long time. Frank, tell me a little bit about, you're celebrating a, a milestone yeah, this I mean, year. For me, this past fall, it's been 20 years with mm. Teatro Zanzani. And uh, it's that indi- indefinable quality that makes it attractive for me to, to want to stay and be part of it and be part of the culture here. Uh, what's indefinable, really, as you're saying, is the environment's impact on an audience. You have no idea, and we've spoken about this. We have, you, audience has no idea what they're getting into 
once they get into that elevator and come to the 14th floor, I think it's, it's as Dre was saying, three floors that was gutted, then art, art directed, and then a roughly a 100-year-old tent is brought in from Belgium, and it was brought in from the roof on the 16th floor, top mm. of the 16th floor. It's all tongue and groove, every piece, 3,000 pieces. So there's so much to the actual environment. The tent is, is a star of the show. It is, you know, it is what it's about. And you're getting something that is, it's nowhere else in America. It's no longer on the West Coast. Chicago mm. owns it, has claimed it, has proclaimed it as their own. And that Chicago, which is a, a theater town, a comedy town, uh, a town that tells you what they think. They don't mess around. And I love that because as an interactive comic performer, you want to know where you stand with an audience. And they've been great. And people like you, Lisa, you know, who, who see something, who've seen all kinds of shows over the years and have said, this is one I want to ad- advocate for. And we do have returnees. So my history, I became intoxicated as any audience member when I first saw it 20 plus years ago. I saw the next actor, that's the next lead comic that's going into the show is Kevin Kent. I saw him do it in 2000, and I thought, oh my, in San Francisco, and I had never seen anything quite like it with this. You know, he does um, interactive comedy as I do, and he was doing, he does drag. Uh, there was a team called the Castors, these three, they're, they're like fifth generation foot jugglers, and they're from Paris, France. And I've, who's seen this? Who comes from Pasadena? This is all new to us. This is new to those of us from the suburbs of Chicago. There's nothing like it. And so I have been completely moved by it. And that's why I keep coming back. Tim, you've been with the company, the show, for, since the beginning. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I, uh, I was doing shows around Europe in Spiegel tents, mirror tents, for, for many years. And then Norman Langill saw this in, I think it was in Barcelona in the Olympics. He then decided to bring it to try the model in America in an, in a, in a, an American way. And he invited me to come along, and I was there from the not actually I was there in the first year, but there were that we had a, after three months. The, I was in the second three months, and uh, it was just lovely. I mean, I, I it's being in a place where I could speak English because in Europe I was only speaking German and French and whatever, but here I was actually speaking English and had another world where I'm being different because I have an English accent. It's what what the idea of of Norman Langill, who is is the person behind the show he wanted people to step in and as though it's they're stepping into another world forget where they've come from and just sort of discover a new world and so my english accent to him was fine it was good so even though i could communicate very easily i had this odd sound so it wasn't every day so his concept was that he wanted to bring people in and change reality so you're a comedian <coughs> you're a musician you're an artist you also have unusual talents <laughs> tell me how you became your character. Tell us about your character. Well, the character, well, I, I started off in a, I started, when I was very young, I always wanted to be a clown. That was my childhood dream. And then I, that was in England. I was brought up in England. I then went to Australia when I was 13, 14. And when I arrived in Australia, coming from sort of Carnaby Street look in England, I was bashed up. They didn't like me. They said, what the hell are you, fucking poofter, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, uh, I then sort of forgot my dream of the clown. I then went th- through university. I came out with a, a degree in, via, in Bachelor of Music, Music and Drama. And I didn't want to teach. I realized that from the very beginning. But I loved the subjects. And then I met this man, Michael Wandsborough, who was one, running a clown troupe in Melbourne called 
the Magic Mushroom Mime Troupe. Mm. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that was in nineteen in the 70s, late 70s. And so I joined this troupe. He wanted me to be his musician. And I joined the troupe. And from that troupe, it was a character-based clown troupe. And from that experience, Mr. P.P. was born. And Mr. P.P. is the character that I've been working from since 1978. Evening, everybody. Uh, uh, could you just imagine just for a little while that you're in the Caribbean? Thank you very much. By the waters of the Caribbean Live the loveliest of Latin queens In her bathing suit she can be seen Strilling down beside the sea But her bathing suit never got wet Though she was And an <laughs> could you have ever imagined you'd still be uh, You know, bringing that character to people around the world mm. You know, 40 years later no, I can't, but I, I'm in some ways, no, but in some ways, yes, because actually it's become more and more fun being Mr. PP. It's the celebration of being silly, the celebration of loving each other, the celebration of having contact with the world and having joy. Giving joy is what it's about. Absolutely. And so that's what, that's what my life has become, and it's, I'm so blessed, I tell you. Who can, isn't it wonderful to be able to make your living by making people have fun? Laughing. You say that in the show. And yes. you know, that's your tagline on your website <laughs> yes. as well. Isn't it interesting what one can do for a living? And this is after, <laughs> without spoiling it, that's <clears throat> after one of your unusual talents that you uh, wow people with. Uh, <laughs> um, is that something that you, it was a craft that you have to keep working on? It's very oh, yes, precise. Yeah, like everyone, like Dre does, like Frank does, we all have our, our crafts we're working on all the time. Yeah. Drea, you have a very impressive resume for sure. I'll ask you the same question. How did this all begin? How does one become an aerialist? I can say when you reveal yourself, eventually, men and women's draw, uh, jaws just drop mm-hmm. every time. <laughs> I, I had a, uh, I was very uh, adventurous as a child. I, I tree climbing was my first okay. aerial, I would say, endeavor. And then uh, I would jump off roofs and dive down stairways and trying to find this. Uh, what I realized much later in my life was just trying to be in the air. So I was always trying to be in the air, and then I did gymnastics and different sports, and and they never quite touched what I was going for. So then I was a competitive gymnast, and after I finished competing, I discovered a flying trapeze by complete serendipity. And all the skill and everything I had ever done led to this big, huge aha moment of, oh, this is it, I'm supposed to be in the air, but a lot, like all the time in the air. So then I started exploring the different um, disciplines, And all of that went hand in hand with when I was 10 years old, I declared to my mother that I wanted to be an actor. But but my physical track and my study of theater and writing and that discipline were always separate. And I kept them separate. I didn't want people to know I was a physical artist because I learned that people didn't take it seriously because I was very into the classics. I was like, well, if you're a Shakespearean actor, you can't tell people that you can flip around. Um, but anyway, I've eventually figured that out. So the culmination of all of that is really what I do here. And I had a similar uh, birth moment for Hildegard, who's the, the character that I play in this show. And I know to, she's 97, and wow. she's my dream of what being extremely elderly could be. And it's completely anchored in joy and laughter and mischief and connection with other human beings. And and it, it is exactly as Tim says, this endlessly fruitful, rich thing to feel our human connection. And then, I mean, I find it particularly resonant 
you know, like in a human way, but also a female way of presenting extreme age and then the idea that you can shed it and, and explore physical strength and grace and uh, freedom. How did you pursue being an aerialist? Um, it's very physical. It's very mental. It's dangerous. Um, you've since worked with lots of musical artists yes. to train them to do what you do to, yeah. to some degree. Did you find a community to help you, or did you kind of learn on your own? Did you have something in your backyard? How did you evolve into what you've become today? When I started, there were no schools. There are aerial studios everywhere. Uh, I would watch circuses. I would get VHS tapes and slow them down. I would hang things from trees. I remember using a Power Ranger doll as a as a model for, I'd like, okay, if you wrap up like this and then I'd drop the doll and the doll would like drop the bottom, I'd be like, okay, if the doll was holding the end, it would be safe. I, it was cra- It was a crazy way to learn and I would pull details from anybody I came across. There were some artists with the Moscow Circus who were more generous about, because also some people weren't very generous with information. But I, yeah, I've been able to work in lots of explorative ways with, as you say, like pop stars. And I started working with Pink in 2003 and Cher in 2004. And I'm part of a Magic Mike Live team. So I get to teach lots of male dancers, aerial arts. And um, it just get, I've, I've had lots of opportunity to continue to explore and develop vocabulary and and to try to develop storytelling in the air. And you've done movies about yes. that as well, yes. about the dangers and the training and yes. the dedication that it takes. Yes. You've really spread your wings with this skill into so many different things you probably never thought you could. No, I never dreamt this. You know, we, I don't think we ever see where we're going. We just, we just dig into what we're joyous about, hopefully. And what brought you to Teatro? Oh, uh, <laughs> so 11 years ago, I... I apparently was recommended by several different people to the person who was looking for someone to play opposite Frank uh, in a Caesar and Cleopatra show. And I was able to bring um, the actor and the aerialist to it. Mm -hmm. So in that version of the show, Cleopatra flew. Wow. And Tim was in that show as well. So all of you have worked together on many occasions. You keep coming back to each other, it seems like. Yeah. Frank, let's talk about you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're from Southern California. I am. And it sounds like you were kind of born to be a comedian. Born to, I know that at a young age you realized something by watching something. Right. So why don't you tell me about that? <laughs> I'll let him tell. I'll, I'll well, t- I don't want to give it away because it's his story. Well, so. no, I appreciate that. And we've, we've chatted about this, but I was listening, listening to Tim and listening to Dre. It re- reminded me of, of what appeals to me about what I do, which is really the freedom. And, and early on, I feel like I would needed to feel free and wanted to not play by the rules. And that was really appealing to me. And so I loved, you know, I'd like, I watched TV, you know, from the time I'm, I was two years old, you're watching Lucille Ball, you know, behave, you know, in her mad way. And, and I'm watching Paul Winchell, who had his own world with Jerry Mahoney and Knucklehead Smith, the famous ventriloquist and those legendary dummies of his and it was a, such a wonderful clubhouse world it felt safe and you get older and you don't you know older three four five and you're kind of saying well, this is the world is a little odd and I'm being taught by nuns and it, there's a lot of it feels oppressive and sometimes gray and I thought even early on I thought maybe there's another way I don't think I thought that I must have felt that and then I saw 
really great comedians in the Marx Brothers, the clowns who were chaotic and playing by their own rules. And, and to me, it was intoxicating. They were, the, they were in a way, child, childlike, had an adolescence in terms of their attack, certainly were crafted beyond words and considered the, perhaps the, the greatest clowns the world has produced. Certainly way up there they'd be considered. But they affected me. And I thought, wow, I want to be like these guys. And then I started researching. I thought, oh, this is a whole craft and a form that's been around for since the beginning of time. But um, here I am, 40, you know, 50 years after, 55 years almost after seeing Paul Winchell with his puppets and Lucille Ball, loving it still and feeling free. And when I walk in this tent, I'm free. And that is the best feeling. Uh, I don't feel like uh, there are no taxes, there's no death, there's no sadness. There's nothing, there's no end. There's an eternal quality in a way when you're doing what you love to do. Mm -hmm. When I first saw you the first time, I tried to to describe what I got from you. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of Sid Caesar, mm-hmm. Groucho Marx, mm-hmm. Liberace, mm-hmm. even Chuck Barris mm-hmm. from the Gong Show, right. because there's just so much absurdity going on, right. and you're the leader, kind of, of the whole show. So tell people about your character. Well, he's uh, he loves everyone. He loves <laughs> women, men, dogs, cats. I would say a moccasin, whatever's in front of him, he's going to embrace. <laughs> and um, you know, he's it's it's a Latin lover character. I'm Italian, so it has a feeling of that. He's very much a takeover. Character, he enters the room, you know when he's entered the room, and you generally know when he exits the room. Hello, everybody! Teatro Zinzani invites you to an evening of love, chaos, and dinner. But it, it's really steeped in joy. But he's also sly. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's quick, and he knows what's going around him. He knows what's in, he knows everything's happening in the room. Quick is an understatement, Frank. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so that's what amazes it, me most about you is is your is your quick improv. Oh, thank you. Which thank makes you. you cry laughing sometimes with the people that you interact with. I appreciate that, and uh, you know it has it can have an edge sometimes, and sometimes it's just ebullient joy, uh, all of it real, all of it parts of me, Frank, but also you know part of the tapestry of this crazy character that I've been able to evolve. The Caesar has sounds like this. He's kind of this. It's kind of this not, it's not a distinguishable accent, uh, but I get away with it because I am of Latin blood. So <laughs> I don't know if, you know, um, he's, he's fun. He likes a party to him. The world, this is a family. The audience is part of a family that we're, and, um, there's a sense of connection and he likes to corral it. And, um, you know, I was always, as a kid, a little bit of a, I, you know, I came from a conservative Italian Catholic family. I always liked throwing in that little joke that made everyone go, did he say that, Frank, Frankie? And uh, that feels like Caesar, too. Did he say that? Did he do that? I can't believe he did that. Are you, are you allowed to do that? And that has always made me feel, you know, I'm different from my, my cousins and my brothers in that way. Um, and that's why uh, the Caesar character, he's a force of nature. And uh, he's got great stamina and fight, and is relentless. And, um, but mostly, he's a, he's a life force. And I think audiences pick up on this madness. We talked about connection, and each one of you, well, your whole cast, interacts with the audience, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. But they always end up liking it. And I think that's part of the charm of this. One of the shows that I came here to see my friend's mother, it was her birthday, and Mr. Peepy came over and danced with her, and it was probably the highlight of her week. <laughs> you know, and, and then her husband... 
was part of your act. We talked about that for weeks. And Frank, you're all over the audience, that's for sure. And, you know, I've seen reluctant people, and I've seen people who are hams, and both of them you can kind of crack. And by the end, they're all laughing and dancing. And I think that's a gift as well. But also, um, it taps into something here as well, how uh, intimate it is. And you may be sitting in the front row, and if you don't want to participate, you're probably out of luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how special that is to have that. You all do that. And that's very key, I think, to the success of really including the audience and having them feel a different feeling when they walk out of the show. Sure. Um, I can take that for yeah, a sure. moment. I, a lot of it is we're fortunate that we had a lot of at-bats. You know, I've, he, Mr. PP, we all have done this for over 35, 40 mm-hmm. years. Uh, this specific form, you know, a long time. So you, you get good at it. You, you also get good at picking people and interacting with people that, that want to be played with. And then you kind of avoid those who may be reticent or shy. And they don't know what they're in for necessarily. And I think we have to honor that and respect that. And I think all of us are fairly sensitive to, to the individuals. We want everyone to have a good time. That's the point. They're paying money to enjoy and escape, as, as Tim was saying, and to forget all the problems and troubles that are outside the tent. Um, it is, it's, it's, uh, you never know, you know, Lisa, there's this whole part of it that we don't know what's going to happen either. I bring, part of my, the joy of my act is like, it, it takes a lot of guts to bring three males into the center ring and just trust that it's going to land well, that they're going to play along. It's yeah. a bit of a miracle that it doesn't go off the rails or I don't, can't control it or someone loses it. It's really I think they're, they feel safe in here, and I think that's why we can play with them, uh, and we can kind of push it. And uh, I think ultimately people want to engage and be connected, as you're saying, Lisa. I think people, you know, we don't, families aren't together the way they used to be. They live in different states. There's no, the tribe has broken up, and uh, you know, and literally people get divorced now, and people separate now, and people travel away from their parents. And so this has a familial um, expression, I think, that, people love we literally are in the round we are we are in a circle together as we were thousands of years ago and around a fire mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. not lost on me yeah. and you can mm-hmm. see everyone you can't you're not seeing the back of heads we are together and we are here yeah. and that that to me is i think part of the experience and i think that's what allows for the interaction and, absolutely and, and i think what you guys do during the show and during when you eat and things like that and my friend's husband who is part of your act yes you know he felt good for two weeks after that you know a month mm. isn't that a, amazing you know, oh yeah you know he, he the uh He's a quiet guy too yeah well i that's five inches that night amazing mm. you know well, I re- when I first, uh, Frank gave me some incredible advice when I was first, you know, d- doing this thing because he has so thousands and thousands of people. And this, this, this thing about, you know, watch people the way they walk into the room, watch, watch them at the table, watch, look for the person who might not be the most likely, but really wants to be a part of it. Um, and then this in kind of almost sacred there's a promise you make, or or call it an agreement, I think. And some a director once, Stefan Haves, who used to direct for Zanzani a lot, said it to me once really beautifully. He said, when, when you bring someone up, the audience knows, and it, 
you know that that you don't know them you and you set up the dynamic where they will know if you like break the if you're not listening if you're not actually looking at that if you're not dealing with them specifically as the person they are you break the agreement that you set up and so the 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 ride with someone who we've never met before we know nothing about them is to like Find them. You know, I look at that man and I look at the eyes that are too beautiful for me to see and too painful for me to be reminded of the love that I had. You know, I, I for every single person your, your I bring character. up there, yes. my character, <laughs> yeah, me, my character, you know, but it's like on a human level, it's like, oh my God, look at that beautiful face. Look at that beautiful man. Oh, it's too painful. You know, and then there's the pinch from, but, but it has to come from each person. Yes. The specific person who happens to be there that night. Yeah, I do a... Yeah, oh, for sure. I had thought, I really liked Frank's image of the, the fire. We're like, yes. a, you know, gathering around the fire, telling the story. I mean, it's a celebration of being alive and of bringing each other together. Yeah, you talked about joy, and obviously that's what you're, this is the business of joy. We didn't have some joy the last year or two, and... Mm-hmm. It was an unprecedented time for all of us mm-hmm. as, you know, a nation, as the world, but also particularly in your industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the first to close, last to open up. Mm-hmm. And all of you have worked decades to, you know, you're with your craft, and all of a sudden it came to a screeching halt. Frank and I have talked about this many times, but let's talk about how you kind of got through those 18 months, and then we'll kind of fast forward to when things started opening up and what that felt like. Well, the, uh, for me, life continued in, in many ways. I mean, every project stopped, and you'd yep. start rehearsing a new idea, then sorry, sorry, no, can't go on, forget it. So there was this, it was, it was depressing on one level, but there was another level that I'm a person who has my routines, I do my rehearsals, I do my, you know, my painting, I do renovation, whatever I'm doing. I have projects, so I, I kept myself occupied, but I really missed contact with hum- other human beings. I had my wife and we, were, we had our life that we, you know, kept going, but it was very isolated. And what I think the show, uh, what is happening, it's like after a war. Yes. After the, when we're deprived of things, people need to come back to have human contact. And when I came back here to, to Chicago, I suddenly realized people are needing us. And entertainment is a need. It's not just a love, it's a need. We were really offering something that the world was needing and it was such a great feeling to suddenly realize that we're coming in and people it, it was different it really was different people were open to us and you, you people walk in you men or women you take them by the arm come over this way sit over here they're open they just human contact is what they were just deprived of for so long that they were celebrating this possibility of having contact again and that to me was uh, I mean, it, we, had a, we had the deprivation, but then we've now come back into this, hopefully it'll keep continuing for a long time, mm-hmm. this world of reuniting together. Dre, what was it for you like that whole time, kind of wondering if you'd ever be on stage again or up in the air again or how the industry would ever recover? There were so many uncertainties with many industries, but the entertainment and live performance you know, took the biggest hit, really. Yeah, it was brutal. Every contract disappeared. Every every forward job. I I think we talked about. I I think I had a year and a half in front of me when the pandemic struck of the most work I had ever wow. had in my life. So it was it was like this. Wow, I've finally reached what I hoped 
I would be as busy as I hoped I could be, and then it was all taken away. But, but uh, like similar to Tim, I had two really big projects. One, um, a project with Frank. Um, I've been directing his one man Groucho show, and we were lucky enough at the Cincinnati Playhouse in the park to to film. They gave us permission to film, which is very unusual for a theater. And the project had been sitting because it was very complicated technically and uh, too overwhelming, basically, for me to address too many problems. So I spent four or five months editing that project, which wouldn't have happened. And it's great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah. It really is fantastic. Yeah. And then I've been working on a solo show for the past few years. Oh about uh, witch archetypes called Hexen that I got to really work on too. So I had two projects which would have been in the sidelines that got pushed forward. So I was very lucky, very fortunate. What was it like for you to come back to live audiences when you finally did? Oh, I just got full body chills. (laughs) Uh, Similar, again, reinforcing what Tim is saying, I've I've never quite experienced what's happening right now, this communal openness to walking up to a table in character and seeing people light up and sit up and say and how are you or how are you and who are you and what is that and what are we doing they want to play so bad and um and of course I do I mean I I uh I just I can't I can't describe properly how thrilling it is and how fortunate and grateful I feel to be here to the producers, Randolph Entertainment, Norm Langell, for fighting to keep us here, for opening at such a rough time, for keeping us here. It's, we we can't do it alone. The performers have to have people who believe it's as important as we do on the business side and on the producerial side. And um, we watch, we're watching it all around us again, right? All these shows yeah. go down. And, and the devastation that that causes financially is, is uh, to producers and people who love theater for no reason because it always loses money, um, huh. except they love it. Um, so um, just gratitude. I would say my, I'm overwhelmed by gratitude constantly. Every day I get to walk into this building. And to be able to do what we love to do and what we're here to do, that's, that's what the opportunity is, the opportunity of being able to stay we are here and we have these, this is our world and we can share it with you. It's just, it's really, it's Frank and I, after yeah. every show, we... <laughs> yeah, because we exit together arm in arm yes. and, and it's, you know, after a three hour extravaganza, which includes, as you know, food and music and everything, we're arm in arm. It's like, and you know, we're a couple of veterans and we're looking at each other like, that just happened. We yeah. did it again. Yeah. Frank, well you were, you were kind of the face of the return of live performance in Chicago. You kind of were, because you were one of the first back in yeah. June, and Teatro Genzani decided to be really the pioneer of bringing people back. You were one of the very first large productions back. And I remember talking to you about, you know, being the example and hopefully leading the way, and, and you certainly did. And that was a risk in mm-hmm. itself. You were also one of the first to um, ask for proof of vaccinations. Mm-hmm. You've been really leading the way in <clears throat> COVID protocols, keeping the audiences safe, keeping you guys safe, and really bringing the economic engine back to this theater district and to the Chicago as a whole. Mm-hmm. And you were one of the first person, uh, people I talked to about coming back. So when you look at the roller coaster that you've been through since June, we were talking about how when we first talked, the mask mandate had been lifted. Mm-hmm. Then it was reinstated two months later. Mm-hmm. Then the proof of vax, 
And then you really had to work with well, the producers and everybody and the hotel and the venue has to work with state protocols. But as actors and performers, how do you put into words what you guys have been kind of emotionally going through the last six, seven months? I mean, it was exuberance at first. Yes. it's. Um, well, I think we're a hardy breed performers, yeah. particularly live performers. We're out of work a lot. We're in, you know, it's, it's a lot of ups and downs financially, spiritually, like, like most people. But we're freelancers by nature. Uh, I, I'd be lying to say that that's not always in the ethers, the fact that we could have gone down at any point. That's yeah. just there. And any one of us could have, could have gotten sick early on, and that could have ruined us. The fact that we were only down briefly is, is miraculous, really. Um, you know, I, we've talked about this, Lisa, and I, I'm very proud that I got to represent, as we all are, this, this form. And I got to welcome an audience. I was one of the first to address an audience and say, we are here, we are here, we are here. And to hear the audience just explode after a year and a half, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Um, so that to me is, says it all. And, you know, there's no show, I'm realizing, that, ha- of the, that um, does what we do, which is we literally, as, as we've all said, we actually touch, literally touch them. I hold men's hands. And these guys, in, in this, you know, which is remarkable. And I look them straight in the eye. And I say, you're a beautiful man. Who else can get away with that? Who could get away with I mean, I get away with it. So as Dre was saying, you know, we do look them straight in the eyes. And it's, it's um, you know, there's nothing like it. There are other tent shows in Vegas, in other words, but no show that is as inclusive. I think there's a very much a loving vibe. And I think, to answer your question, how, how we navigate it, it's just, what's, what's the choice? You know, we're, like Dre said, we're lucky to be here. And we're all grateful. But uh, it's been a, it has been ups, it's been ups and downs. Absolutely. And, uh, but you know, the art, I think the passion for it overrides everything. Mm. The love for it. Uh, you know, as Drea was saying, we come back and we're like, we're, we're we've got chills. We're electrified. It's what, what we do. It is what we do. Mm-hmm. What, just what we do. Yeah. You know? And you mentioned how you could feel that the audience needed this. And that's so mm. true because I think after 18 months, 20 months for some, some still haven't reopened. Uh, I think as a patron, you realize that you took arts and culture and live performance for granted. And when you didn't have it, mm. you're finding as well, and we are as patrons, that um, we shouldn't take it for granted. And it's mm. really an emotional experience coming back to something that you didn't know you needed. Mm-hmm. Right? In, Europe, in Europe, artists are really revered. That's what I've discovered because I worked for many years in, around the European variety sort of dinner show world. And people... They, they honour you. You sort of, you become like, you know, which I've never had as, as an artist in Australia. I didn't have that. I was, you know, the artists are survivors. They're sort of mm-hmm. freelance. They can, you know, they, what do you do for a living? You know, you, what you, do, you do this, but how do you actually make your money? That that's, was the reality in Australia. But when you start to, when, when people appreciate what you do, they give you value. And I think that that's what this is helping us now is that people sort of start to appreciate that entertainment, the arts are important to our lives as a community. Absolutely. We have a function, a really important function, which I hadn't realized personally because I was always, you know, we were lucky to, we were just lucky to be able to sort of scrape by, maybe living by our craft. But it's actually when you start to get a response like this, it makes you sort of feel as though, you know, your heart, it's very good for your heart. Yes. It makes you go, all the work sides. we've been doing, <laughs> it works. And it's an, it's an economic engine to mm. any community, and mm. especially Chicago. And I'm mm. sure you've realized that, mm. that the dominoes really, mm-hmm. you know, 
Yeah. The live shows serve the restaurants. The restaurants yep. serve the shows, yep. yeah. and all the uh, other, all the commerce that you say is served. You know, it's interesting. It's uh, to have people come in here, and uh, I get, trying to get to what makes this thing special. Uh, where well, there's a dance moment in the show, and they'll and I dance with an older woman, and she'll say to me during the course of the dance it's an audience dance everyone's dancing what show is there on the planet where the whole audience gets up two thirds in and starts dancing together and I'll hear on more than you know, on many occasions I haven't danced in 10 years I haven't danced since my husband's passed away or some will say to, to any one of us I haven't laughed that hard in, in two years or, or my wife passed away I mean that's this show we have this immediate connection to you know our, our fellow human I don't. I, I can't think of another show like this, Lisa. And I, I, it's not. What do you can you? I can't. So that's a great. That is. That makes me feel good. So to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, Tim, it's a, it's a unique experience that is very human. Human interrelated. We're all interrelated. I think another unique part of the show is that the cat you have you. You you all kind of come and go, mm-hmm. but it, you it always pulls you back for sure because both of you were here in 2019. You go off and do your own. Projects. Tell me a little bit how this works. You have a contract, then you do other projects. They come back. They bring a new cast, which is happening in next month. Mm-hmm. So you guys are kind of in your final stretch here. Tell us how this all works and how you guys have been kind of navigating this for 20, 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a life, right? It's quite a life. <laughs> and you just have to trust. If you, if you, uh, I, personally, I'm a very bad organizer. <laughs> but so I don't, I sort of, I, I believe, you know, I, I wait for the gods to send me the sort of the next work. I, I'm not a good person who's out there. How do I sell myself? I'm very, very bad, I realize. I mean, I look at people who are very good at this, but I, I'm very bad. So yeah, you have to trust. You have to know. You have to have belief in yourself that what you do is correct, that it has a place in the world, and then allow that to filtrate out into the world and people will sort of, that's how I, I don't know, to me it's magic. Life on the road is probably tough. Life on the road is tough, you know, but it's, we're it's gypsies. It's cliche, but we're it's We're gypsies, true. we're gypsies. Right. And I, 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 we go away for three months and we come back home. But we, have, we are definitely the gypsy world. I mean, yes. I, we're, we're nomads and we have, to, we, have to be, we have to feel at peace with that. You have to allow that to be a part of your life. You know, that's, I, I go off to work, I come back and I yeah. have a lovely house and family at home. I go off to the, this work world. So you have to accept that. You have to know that that's what you do. And I suppose I've been trained because my father was a geologist. We, we traveled around the world. I mean, uh, traveling to me was a part of life. There are some people, and I have friends, who can't bear traveling. They want to be a performer. Yes. You know, so I mean, it's just, just, it just doesn't work. And families and friends and relationships have to realize that. Yeah, and families and friends, absolutely. And they, w- you have to find the right people who love you for, for you and love you for what you do and know that and, and accept and also like having their time to themselves as well yeah. so yes it's, it's so, so every once in a while someone because i've been lucky enough to work in the industry a lot people you know ask for advice for young people and i i've so i've thought about a lot how uh critical it is that artists uh, creative people particularly people who rely on a live audience that that as important a percentage of our job as the practice and the rigor of the discipline and and maintaining our expertise and, and developing our our skill is the part where you you feed your spirit and you protect your spirit the the creative spirit and um, I don't think the world really teaches us how to do that I think if we're lucky we find it I think like Tim painting um, writing the there, there there are many ways to do it people with nature with uh, 
community or whatever it is, but that, that the, the motivator for why you want to be a person who's a communicator at the, at the root of it is as important as anything else because we don't always know when we're going to work again. So the part of the faith of it is how do we know, like this thing is valuable. It's so critical that artists exist, that performing artists exist, that clowns exist, that laughter exists. So then part of our job is the maintenance of that. How do I keep myself excited and interested and ready when the weird miracle happens of a job? (laughs) And also knowing that it's right for you. If if it's if it comes from within you, there's no doubt. You don't mm-hmm. doubt it. You just you do it because that's what you have to do. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, an, it's I do it because I have to do it. It's not mm-hmm. that I, I had well, my my daughter's boyfriend wanted to be an opera singer, <laughs> and he realised he went along to see me perform, and he said, oh, "But I couldn't stand on a stage and do that." <laughs> so he, he so I mean he he suddenly he 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 loves singing. He was being trained, but he suddenly realised that the actual reality of standing on a stage in front of people wasn't for him at all, wow. which was great. He, he said it yeah. because he hadn't made that connection yet. Yeah. So we all do this because it's from our hearts. Yeah. You know, there's well, no you, doubt. Frank, you you, well, I was just going to say, somebody said something on your Facebook page that, that kind of resonated with me. They said, you were able to sit in Chicago for a while. Mm-hmm. Being able to sit anywhere for mm. a, a long time yeah. is rare. Right. Well, this and is, this is probably the longest stint you've done here. And how has that been for you? Well, I... I love it. I mean, I love getting to know the community. I like cons- I like at bats. I like consistency. I like the structure of it. Mm-hmm. I've done hundreds of one nighters all over the world, and short runs, and I, that's a def- different kind of challenge. You've got to go in there, guns blazing, the night before, you know, and go to Paducah or Boston or Altoona, and you get in there. You go to check in your hotel. You tech the show the next morning, and you've got to kill it for the, that hour and a half, two hours, and then you leave the next day. And you don't really get to see much of the town, but that's that's it. Here, you can take it in. You get to become part of the world. That I appreciate Im- immensely. Um, you know, it's it's it seems like an impractical way to, to exist. You know, sometimes the one nighters, but I've loved it. They're lucrative. I get to meet people on the road. To this day, I'm I'm reaping the benefits of these friendships, and whether that's a you know a cab driver or someone works at a restaurant or a hotel or someone works at the theater or a colleague that I work on stage with or behind the scenes with, those relationships are 35 years. You can go back 35, 40 years. You guys haven't had much downtime. Yeah. But have you had a chance to enjoy Chicago in any other way besides being at the Cambria? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Chicago. Yeah, I too. Just too. walking around, the bridges, the architecture, the, all the beautiful, oh, it's, it, to me, the, the river, it's, it's just, it's paradise. I mean, and the galleries and... And restaurants. Oh, restaurants and the yeah. park yes, the yeah. glory of that huge park in mm. front of the lake is it's so fun it's such a great city it's oh, a yeah. great city what what have you guys taken from your stint here in chicago kind of tell us about the people you've met kind of because you you've got only a couple weeks left for you guys as you reflect back on your time here you know it again it's been an unprecedented time for you guys here as live performers um tell us a little bit about reflecting back on this experience the last six months or three months that you've been here? Well, the word that comes to mind for me is resilience. There's been a hell of a lot of resilience, as, as Drea was saying, from the predatorial side. It takes a lot of guts and a lot of backbone to keep something going like this. Um, I, the fight and resilience and the stamina of this cast and the staff around us, mm-hmm. from 
bar to backstage to, to to box office, everyone is in it. Everyone is together, and they're everyone. You know, it's there's a different tenor to the whole experience that I've ever had because of what we've been through. There's a lot more love and empathy, and eyes wide wide open, looking at each other and feeling each other, and there's support. There's a lot. Of, you know, there's, sometimes there's, there can be pettiness in any any world, any profession, even ours. You know, and but I don't feel that's been a, 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 a dominant part of the experience. It's mostly been glorious, and um, there's a ton of love going on. And it sounds corny, but it's true. Uh, we've been alone a lot in our living rooms, and you know, we're still we're still not out of the woods, and we're we're still we're we're up we're lifting each other still. Love is the thing. I, 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 I re- the more I think about it, the more I know that's true. There is it's the love of being of each other. We are a family. It's all that sort of stuff. We're not, as they come in, it's, we're sitting around with our push fire and we're all telling the story. You know, that's exactly what it is. Yes. Yeah, and it's really hit the, you really hit it on the head. Well, I was, I was born in Michigan. I was born in Midland, Michigan, and okay, I grew so you're up. you're Midwestern. Right? Yeah, I'm Midwestern, mostly in Indianapolis. So okay. t- to me, Chicago has always been the city. When I would come here with my family as a child or go to the theater or, the, you know, the architecture and the lake. And um, so for me to be here is, is just thrilling on, on a really foundational level of, like, wanted to be a performer and now being down in the loop in Chicago in this beautiful old place. And uh, so that adds a definitely a very, very special layer to it for me. I like representing the Midwest yeah. here in the tent. Uh, Something about Midwestern audiences, wouldn't you say? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I feel well, very, beautiful, that's for sure. very yeah. communal with them. But, but truly, what Tim says is it it is love. It's the, it is... That, it's everything. It's the anchor. It's the core. And oh, I right. love doing seasons. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I honed my craft because I was lucky to find the European variety world where you do a month or two months every day, sometimes twice a day, doing the same thing. And for me in Australia, that didn't really exist. You could, you did like a, you did little, little, maybe Saturday night, Sunday, you know, Friday, Saturday night. But having runs like we're doing in Chicago is for me. The ultimate. I don't like one night stands mm-hmm. that much personally. <laughs> I find it very difficult. You sort of, yeah. if, I, I get nervous doing the you know opening nights. I don't. I don't like it. I, I like yeah. it when we. I know that that's going to work. The lights are fine and everything. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, uh, our lifestyle being f- fixed in a place for X amount of time is very good. Security is good for a little while. Yes. Stability. Yeah, no, I like Everybody it. needs a little yeah, stability yeah, yeah, yeah. every once in a while. You hardly right? ever work in your own city. Yeah. I mean, I've worked in True. my own city when I did musicals. I did musicals. And I, I did a two months or so with the Australian Ballet, two months with a, a musical. But I very rarely at home would I go off to work and come back to, to where I lived. It was wonderful. I loved it. But it's And you'd better bring people over to come to your house and all that sort of stuff. And your California blood is going to be um, sent off by eight inches of snow on Saturday. <laughs> wow! <laughs> well, get back to Chicago. The, yeah. it's, a, it's a pride point, you know. As a theater guy, mm. you know, you play if you played New York or Chicago, you've you've made it. That's the that's been my feeling since I was a kid, and it took me forever to get here. Lisa, I was I played every suburb as mm. I've shared with you around Chicago, yeah. from Batavia to Arlington Heights to Schaumburg to, you know, you name it to Skokie. The list goes on, but I never played Chicago proper. So to be able to sit here in this great town 
and finally, it's like oh, finally I got there. I've been surrounding it for years, so that's this has been a particular source of pride for me. And everyone knows, all our colleagues know what it means to play Chicago. Mm-hmm. The theater world knows what it means to play Chicago. The comedy world knows. That makes me proud because this is hasn't been easy getting here for us. And the fact that we are able to stick around, that's it's a good feeling. So you guys are entering your last stretch here. Mm-hmm. When this airs, it'll be your last weekend. Mm-hmm. Cry. Um, you go off to do other things. A new cast, for the most part, will come in January 27th, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that makes this unique. Obviously, I'll have to come back another 12 times. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. No, you guys, though. I don't know. Uh, tell me what's next for you guys, and we'll wrap this up. So what happens... To Tim Tyler after he leaves Teatro for now. <laughs> he doesn't know. Well, he does know. He has one project which he's supposed to be doing. Okay. But it might get cancelled because Canada's oh. closing down, you oh. know, because of COVID. But I'm yes, I'm supposed to be going back to work with Joe DePaul on a mm-hmm. duo project. And Joe and Joe and I worked together in Zinzani yes. as a duo then, and we've got this grant from the government oh. to produce a show. We're using a man from Spain as our director who's from um, the spy monkey and we're using uh, Hans Treuber who's the musical director from uh, Zinzani he's coming to do our show there so our plan is to do that what will happen I don't know but you're also an artist oh yeah and you just unrolled one of your latest canvases mm-hmm. or that you've been how do you describe your your art world and it was something that you just you discovered when you were working nights Yes, my, my, I paint during the day when okay. I'm working at night. It's my, okay. my way of keeping me away from going partying and being <laughs> too much of a, sort of a party person because I can be very flirtatious. Oh, really, So it's Mr. my Pee-pee. way of keeping myself under control. <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Um, and that is, that is what I do during the day. So it's, and okay. I, I tell stories, sort of. Okay. I tell stories. I describe the environment where I'm working to stimulate uh, an idea. And for folks who'd like to see your artwork, how do we find you? Well, it's very difficult. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I'm very bad. TimTylerArtwork.com. But I, I don't know what it is. You TimTylerArtwork.com. I think What's so. Pretty easy What's your remember? Instagram? I don't know. Oh. You see, I'm very bad. With Tim it. Tyler. <laughs> yeah, I'm really... I'm very pathetic. Andrea, you've got lots cooking, right? Oh, yeah. I'm part of the creative team for Magic Mike Live, and there's an HBO Max show right now called Finding Magic Mike, which takes 10 regular guys and through um, dancing for women in their underwear that has some perks learn to make <laughs> yes learn to make the world a better place and um, I'm the aerial choreographer <laughs> like and that I, kind of thing. yeah I was tasked with uh, whoever the last two guys the last two contestants who end up in the uh, competition learn an aerial number which they perform live so I'm in the seventh and uh, fifth and seventh episodes How fun. Um, teaching these fellows uh, aerial and there were people the other night who knew you from yes that. they'd seen it <laughs> someone's got to do it right it's, it's a tough it job it it's a tough amazing. job yes, and it got great reviews oh, in yeah. all of the papers yeah. and it's just just Finding rolled out this yeah, a week ago a couple weeks ago and Frank and you've got big things um, with your other alter ego Yes, with Groucho. Uh, this is a thrill. This is the sh- I first did that show in 1985 in, mm. in college, now in 2022. Amazing. It's rolling out nationally on PBS April 1st. Hundred, over 117, about 117 PBS stations voted yes to put it on. It's 80% of the country, and I'm thrilled. That's the project that Drea directed and edited, and um, I'm really proud of it. And there he was, the one... So we're in the final stages of, of that. We deliver the piece February 1st, and it goes on there April 1st. 
and it's exciting. And and you must see it because it looks absolutely brilliant. I it saw really the trailer. Does. Oh, Mr. the trailer is brilliant. No, yeah. I love it. So I'm excited. I love you running, doing your little pre yes pre pre preparation, and when yeah. you're running through the. He wasn't naked though. He was wearing clothes. Yes. Well, um, well, yes, <laughs> he is wearing. I think I would well, remember that. Tim, Tim, men Tim mentions that because we have a we have a tradition here. Uh, Twenty years ago, when we first worked together in San Francisco, uh, Teatro Zanzani, uh, we have what they call a cabaret, which is kind of a parody of the show at the end of the run. So we all imitate each other, and the waitstaff gets involved, and the whole crew. Mister Peepee decides to streak with his svelte nude body around the around the circle around the circle of the tent and there's Mr. PP those Europeans We're, man yeah and, uh, and now we know why they called him Mr. PP mad is not head anyway so what happens 20 years later we're back doing the show after having, you know, worked many years ago. Uh, and I tasked him again to do the, the nude. The nude <laughs> Encore. So welcome Encore. To the, and he did it. Welcome to the circus, folks. Uh, wow. But anyway, so I, what I'm doing, aside from watching Tim <laughs> running around nude in a tent, is my Groucho show. And I uh, have a smattering. Funny you should ask. Eveningwithgroucho.com. Oh, you didn't ask, but I thought I'd throw it in. Hey. <laughs> That's what was for. that, Frank? What was it? And Say you it have again? lots of shows booked already. Yeah, yeah. I'll be in New Jersey and Philadelphia, back in my the hometown again. of Sierra Madre, California. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that'll take me into May. And then after that, you know, it's there's not you know it's not a lot going on, but I hope to come back here again within a year or so. We hope we Things see all of you back Things will come here. back. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Chicago will welcome you back. With open arms. Uh, thank Tyler, you. Drea Weber, Frank Ferrante, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Lisa Filder. For another Fielder. edition you, of Backstage Chicago. Good luck to you on your next chapters. We hope uh, you guys go out with a bang. Have a great New Year's. And uh, bring joy to the world yeah. and continue to do it. Thank you so Thank you for your so advocacy. Much. Thank you, Lisa. Coming up next on Backstage Chicago, we'll travel down the road a bit to Joliet and Route 66. We're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum. Construction is still underway, but exciting things are happening with this new project where Illinois music and history meet. Subscribe to Backstage Chicago on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.